Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassenaar, a.k.a. the Red Shirt King, and welcome to yet another very special edition of the Esports Gambling Hour podcast. Uh, it is an awesome time to talk about League of Legends because it is the preseason. Anything is possible. We have the IEM San Jose tournament this weekend, and I am joined by my good friend Walter Fetchuk and Tim Sevenhusen from Oracle's Elixir uh, slash Unicorn to talk about these games with me. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. I'm I'm doing pretty pretty good. It's been a while since we've done a, a three man podcast. It has been a while, but you know what? This is kind of like the unicorn trio, right? You know, we've got you know Tim, you've got your True Sight podcast, which has been awesome recently. That we've you know, if you haven't gone and subscribed to that yet, you totally should because you've been doing a whole bunch of really interesting interviews. Uh, and now we're kind of co- you know combining our efforts into some awesome preview thing. And those combined efforts have led to a power ranking list that we have, you know, we each made separately. We came up with our list just one to six, best through worst team that we think is at this tournament. We turned these all in at about the same time, and we have made an aggregate. We are going to start with the team that we think is the weakest team in this tournament and work our way up to the team that as a collective whole, we voted for the strongest and will, of course, disagree with each other along the way because that is how these things always go. Uh, we start with the number six team. I don't think this is particularly surprising for anyone. The Unicorns of Love. Now, Tim, when you were looking at the Unicorns of Love and you know what we could expect from them heading into this tournament, given that they're now turning over three, uh, three members of this team... You know, do you feel like the switches that we've seen are moves that are going to pay off for them in the long run, or are these kinds of you know zero sum changes in a lot of ways? Yeah, I think the changes they made, you have to look at them in a couple of different ways, and that's going to apply to more more than one of these teams. But you know, starting with Unicorns Love, the changes they've made, I think, will make them a decent team uh, if if they pan out, if the players actually kind of do work out, but. But bringing in uh, so the the three new players were were what uh, Fox in the mid lane, Gilius uh, in jungle, and Steelback at eighty carry. I mean, those players are all decent. No, it's nothing like like world shattering. It's nothing that's you know game changing. But but they're decent players. I think when we if, if this is the five man roster they bring into the spring split of LCS, they're probably a playoff team unless you know they really underperform. Uh, maybe they can even win around. It depends what happens with the other rosters. Uh, but the the thing is that team that they will be in the spring split if this is who they bring in is not the same team that they're going to be playing with this weekend because they just pulled these people together. Uh, from what I've heard, you know, they, some of them have been practicing together for a little while, but not all of them. Uh, I think they they were shuffling around a few of the options before they kind of settled on on these these players. So. You know, throwing them into a tournament, immediate, you know, one best of three to get on uh, to the next round. Otherwise, you're done. You know, lose two games and you're out. And and putting that brand new roster with three brand new players uh, into that fire, like right off the bat, I, I don't think it's likely that we'll see much success out of them because they don't have enough. Like the talent is fine, but they don't have enough sheer talent to just bowl their way through. That's that's kind of why I'm expecting we aren't going to see that much out of them, and it's not because I think they're going to be a bad team, but because I think right now at this moment they just they won't be there yet. It's really hard to turn over three players in one off season and come out of the gate looking just as good as you did when you left it. And by the way, when we last left the Unicorns of Love, they weren't looking particularly strong. Their 
their placement in regionals, you know, having that 0-3 to Orihan, losing 0-3 to H2K in the summer playoffs. This was a team that was already showing some kind of cracks in the armor before they had to make all these switches. And the switch in particular that worries me is Gilius. Gilius is a guy that uh, I've seen around the Challenger scene quite a bit. He was a guy that was on this team when they first qualified for the LCS. And I think it says a lot about how they felt about him, that their first move upon qualifying was to get rid of him even after he'd had experience at the World Championship. He has a reputation as a as a toxic kind of player uh, as far as both on and off the rift that is concerning to me. Obviously, players can grow up, but we haven't seen that yet. And in the meantime, we have seen him in some of these challenger events, and he hasn't done a lot. I do, however, think that Fox is a guy that in the right system. You know, he's a guy that you can just plug in and you know what you're getting from him week in and week out. And Steelback is a guy that, you know, we saw him be a very, you know, above average piece of the original Fnatic kind of makeup. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he and Hillisang can do a lot more than we saw that bot lane do previously. Walter, uh, you know, obviously we're looking at it in this tournament in general, but is there anything that you're you know, you're looking at that maybe can surprise us. Like, what has to happen if Unicorns of Love are going to make us all feel silly for kind of writing them off just because of all these changes? And everything? Well, I, I think the lucky thing for Unicorns of Love is that they're going to be matched up against CLG in, in the first round as opposed to LGD or, or TSM, which are on the top side of the bracket. Uh, you guys have brought up Gilius and Fox and Steelbeck are the three newcomers to the team, but the other thing that they're bringing to this team is they're bringing this kind of chip-on-their-shoulder attitude you said it yourself, Gilius was the original jungler on this Unicorns of Love team that qualified into the LCS only to be replaced by Kikis. And while he does have kind of this, this toxic persona about him, I mean, multiple people have named themselves God Gilius or Gilius something on the EUS challenger ladder just as a joke at him. <laughs> He's really been hyped up by quite a few analysts, including Broken Shard, the now head coach of, of Dignitas. And he does have some playmaking ability. It's not like, you know, he, he's never been successful. Yes, he's an average jungler by challenger series status, but I think pairing him into this situation, especially against CLG where Xmithy is not the strongest jungler, and the fact that Hui, while he has been practicing with CLG, had been trying to make a swap into the jungle before Worlds, and then Xmithy came back, and I don't know how much practice they've had there. And the supposed AD carry for CLG is say who doesn't have any international competitive experience, where Steelback does. Steelback did play at MSI against you know SKT and against EDG and against all these top tier teams and performed admirably. I think the problem though on this team is with the Chachi in the top lane. Mm. He's just not very consistent. He has some really good games, but then he has some really really bad games. And they were doing really, really well when he was able to kind of play some of these cheese picks when he had, you know, the pocket poppy into Maokai. So you had to be really careful about playing Maokai into them. And I think that there's a chance that because of where the meta is right now, and it is kind of top lane carry dominant, and Fox is more of a supportive utility kind of mid laner with like a couple of assassins in his back pocket, it may help them if Vizichachi is having a good day, or it could hurt them if Vizichachi is having a bad day. Uh, you guys, and the have big said challenge, it. I think, yeah. the big challenge is that they're going into uh, into CLG, who has a pretty strong, you know, laning top laner. Zion Spartan has yes. always been acclaimed for his laning, 
And so if, if both teams, I think, you know, when CLG loses double lift out of the 80 carry, now they can't play, they can't play, you know, resources to the 80 carry and rely on how that's going to work out. They're going to mm-hmm. have to play probably, um, you know, pushing resources into the top lane, which they often do with ganks anyways. But, but knowing that they're going to focus into the top lane, that Zion Spartan, even with, without a lot of gank pressure, is very good in the laning. And Unicorns of Love is going to have to do pretty much the same thing because, like you said, with, with Fox's style, with Steelback uh, never really being a, a primary carry kind of a style, he's a, he's a you know, come in secondary and, and clean up type of AD carry. Mm-hmm. Both teams are going to be funneling into the top lane, and who's who's better and more reliable in that lane and being able to snowball a lead, Vizichachi or Zion Spartan? So I think that's that's a big challenge. I, I would vote for Zion Spartan. So, oh yeah, uh, I think. Well, this is the interesting thing, right? Is that we learned, if nothing else, at Worlds that that one v one, judging it in that way, often didn't really tell the full story. What really comes down to is a two v two. You know, it's it's not just Vivisachi versus Zion Spartan. It's Zion Spartan and X Smithy versus Vivisachi and Gilius. And my concern, I don't think there's been enough time for Gilius and Vivisachi to come together. I think that these are, you know, this is a synergy that needs time to develop. You need to practice it. You need to really take these moments and get the exact timings down and what push at what time and with, you know, all these different combinations of champions. It's hard. It's very hard to do on short notice. That's why I had them sixth. Um, I had unicorns a little of sixth. I don't know. Did anyone have them anything other than sixth of, uh, among us? No, sixth all around. No. Okay, so that was They're the one sixth. thing on which we're unanimous. We immediately go outside of unanimous. And by the way, fun fact for the people at home, uh, the list that we have right now, the aggregate, happens to be my list. So whenever we disagreed, we disagreed in such ways that it balanced out to uh, to where I put things, which I kind of find very humorous at the end of the day. And CLG is the first point of contention that I think we're going to have here. I had CLG fifth. I know, Tim, you had CLG ahead of that. Uh, what is it that you're seeing in CLG right now that has you more excited for this team than Walter and I seem to be right now? So don't sell it up too hard. I put them fourth. It's not like <laughs> I have them second or something. In the no, tournament. of course, of course. <laughs> I, I put them fourth. Uh, and I put them ahead of TSM. We'll get into TSM later. And the reason for that is uh, purely shock value. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the reason for that is is I went back and forth on those two teams a lot. And, it, and it's the same argument I made about Unicorns of Love that, you know, when the spring split hits, they'll be a decent team. But they are not that team today. You know, so who are they today? So w- with CLG, it's it's less of a vote of confidence for CLG and, and more of, of some, some doubts about how good TSM is going to be coming in is why I put CLG a little bit further. But, but speaking of CLG specifically, what I, what I see in them is, you know, we, it looks like they had a lot of change. When you see how much conversation there's been, how much drama there's been, you know, oh, why did they remove their coach? Oh, why did they let Doublelift go? What's going on here? But so they've changed two players. They've changed their coach. But all three of those changes have been people already in the organization moving up a notch. Not, you know, completely different, like, we don't know this personality, we don't know how they, how these people work together. So, I mean, Sticks at 80 carry, he's not double lift. He probably never will be. Uh, maybe he'll turn out to be his own really good player at some point in a different way, but but he's not double lift. And, and we have questions about who he and, and you know, what he's going to do and how he's going to play, because we just, we haven't seen him in quite a, a long time, and... Uh, we don't know what his style is at this point, and the meta is different. So, you know, what's that even going to mean? Uh, but those players are both, especially Huhi, people who have been involved with the team, understand how the team works, 
Uh, there's going to be some built-in synergy, even if it hasn't come out in actual competitive matches on the Rift. But I, I think I value that a lot, and also the coaching stability that Zix has been with the team for you know, the entire time. He was always the one uh, leading the draft, leading the strategic developments. And, and they've got all of that stability uh, coming into a meta that is not that different from Worlds. It's different, but you know, it's not like we've, we've hit preseason and everything's off kilter. So I, I think I'm valuing that stability quite a bit, that I, I think they can carry that through, uh, use the, the approaches they've already developed, uh, probably use some of the drafting strategies that they've tweaked uh, since Worlds, and and I think, think they can gain some big advantages that way, just in their... Because they've, they've had strong macro, macro play all year, uh, and, and the actual players involved in that macro is not the main... It's, it's more about the plan than the players in the early game macro. So I, I think that's going to potentially push them forward quite a bit uh, and possibly kind of... It, it's, it's hard. I don't think we'll get to see CLG play TSM necessarily. We might, but but um, but I would... If they did match up against each other, I'd give the CLG possibly a slight edge because of all those reasons. Oh, First man, of all, the, uh... if, if TSM versus CLG was the finals of this tournament, I think Reddit just shuts down. I think the sheer number of... NA fanboys that would immediately go in to say, ah, oh, we're the best region, this proves everything, would just immediately just close the internet. Like, we just hey, wouldn't be able to recover. Hey, as, North, as America won, North America won the IEM World Championship last year. Get wrecked. I mean, that did happen. Get wrecked. That, that, you know, and it did so much for him by the end of the year. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's interesting when you bring up that, that comment, Tim, about stability. Because I value stability a lot as well, but my, my stability is kind of comes from a different angle when I look at why I'm nervous about CLG. And my my nervous about CLG are that this is a team that for years their identity as an organization was when stuff hits the fan, we turn to double lift. Double lift has this, he will be our hero, he can be that guy who we put on the hard carry, we can put him on the vein, we can put him on whatever it is that we need him on and protect him and he can single-handedly save the day. And sometimes that worked, sometimes it didn't, but they always had that card when things went wrong. And they always had that card when the players in game didn't know who to trust, didn't know who to turn to, had that, you know, any of those moments of, of doubt, um, even when the players were kind of being turned over. I like Zix. I like what he's doing from a pick and ban perspective, but none of what he brought to picks and bans did any for th- anything for them at Worlds. Uh, what hurt them at Worlds were players making in-game decisions that were concerning to me. And I don't think losing a veteran presence like Doublelift and putting in someone like Stixay, who is entirely unproven, uh, who he, who is a guy who we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, These are things that worry me from a stability standpoint. It worries me just in-game when, you know, the big team fight happens and you have to know who's going to make that call, who do I trust, who do I turn to. Zion Spartan has to be that guy, and I haven't seen him be that guy since he was on Good Game University. And I loved when he was that guy on Good Game University. My, I would love nothing more for, than for this iteration of CLG to, to do some really interesting stuff. I just don't know if they've had enough time to change their identity as an organization in that way yet, especially with some of the youth. Though I will, I will say this for people who are interested in who he, the one thing that gives me some faith that he's going to surprise some people here is his champion pool. Because as Walter and I can tell you from watching him in the Challenger series, 
he certainly showed an ability to play a whole bunch of different champions. Walter, when you look at the CLG team and, and what they have in store, what do you think that they can offer and that they can show in this tournament and maybe build on going forward, even if we don't think they're going to get much farther than you know the semifinals, given that they're going to run into a Jhenner team I think we all believe is going to be a higher quality? So even though I have Unicorns of Love below them, I'm not sure CLG gets past Unicorns of Love. I think on paper, CounterLogic Gaming is a stronger team. That's why I have them at 5 and not at 6. But you guys are forgetting one very, very key point. Stixay and Huhi have not played a competitive match since Spring Challenger Series. Huhi hasn't played that. Stixay had one you know, one qualification for Summer Challenger Series, and their team got banned for, God, I don't remember whatever reason is, they've never played a professional competitive match. And their very first, you know, pro-scene competitive matches is on an international scale. Granted, it's against Unicorns of Love. This matchup is probably going to be really, really kind of poor to watch. Like, straight up. And no matter which team goes into Genera, they're probably going to lose. I'll say that right out. They don't have experience, and that's the biggest thing they can give these two players, is experience. And that's why, like, I really don't understand putting them over TSM, because TSM, I understand that they would have potentially some cohesion issues, you know, trying to get all the pieces to fit, but every single player on that team has experience. You've got, what, four guys that have gone to a world championship? Four! The only person who hasn't is, is Haunters, and he played on Gravity, and that team was never getting to a world championship. So I, it just, I don't understand how you can put CLG over TSM when TSM, as a talent, is a better talented team. And nine times out of ten, the better talented team beats the better strategic team. Like it, that's just what happens. Like If your players are better, they can get a lead, and they can basically just kind of bum rush their way through an enemy team. Except for Cloud9. Except for Cloud9. Cloud9 is... <laughs> well, Cloud9's on a different stratosphere when it comes to strategy. I'll give them that much. But- well, here's what I'll ask you, Tim, in response to that is, do you see... Like you, you, know, like you said, you value a lot of the, the internal stability, what Zix is able to do. So I, I guess the, the follow-up question to that, and then to follow up what you know, Walter and I have said our concerns are with CLG, is what do you think Zix can do to ensure that these players who don't have any sort of experience on this level are going to be able to keep their cool in these situations uh, when when the pressure's really out there. Well, see, and that's that's a, a really good point, actually, about the lack of experience on on stage or at least recent experience playing competitively, uh, because that's that's actually the biggest question marks with with Zix. I think is that he was the strategic coach, right? He was the one developing the macro plays. He was the one. Uh, you know, guiding the champion pools and so on. But it was Coach Chris who was managing the, you know, kind of the personalities or the the uh, mentality going in. Uh, and so, you know, you can assume that Zix picked up a lot of that and will be con- kind of continuing on some of those trends, taking over some of that role. But but this is, you know, this is a big test for him to see whether he can prepare those two players and the rest of the whole team. Uh, you know, they've gone through a lot over the past several weeks. Uh, whether he can kind of prepare them to go onto the stage. And that is a question mark for me. So, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not sold on CLG being great at this tournament. Uh, I'm, I'm s- modestly confident in them beating Unicorns, but, you know, I wouldn't be that surprised if they lost. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I've got, like I said, I went back and forth a lot on CLG TSM, kind of who to put higher in the rankings. And uh, even when I was kind of like gathering the notes together and, and kind of consolidating them all, I still kind of had them on, on an equal playing field. And it turned out it didn't really matter <laughs> because of the way you guys had ranked the, the teams. It didn't really matter. It wasn't going to change it up or down either way. But it's, yeah, it, it, there are plenty of question marks around CLG. I, for some reason, I've got the faith bug in, in them. Uh, I think they're going <laughs> to. I think they're going to look better than a lot of people expect, and maybe that's just what I'm valuing when I'm when I'm ranking them a little bit higher here. Is just that I think they'll do better than people anticipate them doing, kind of post double lift era. Yeah, and, and for the record, I do think there is some value in what you mentioned earlier about how you know who he and Stixay were at least a part of this organization. They're not entirely new to what's going on. These are not players who have never played with each other before and may have never even lived in a house together. You know more than two weeks ago. Uh, there's something to that. Whether that's enough to take out TSM is something that, you know, obviously is probably not a question we see answered at this tournament directly, but it's certainly something that we'll be keeping an eye on all of the uh, the spring season. Now, Walter... And to be very clear on I, that... Oh, sorry, uh, please. CLG would not beat TSM three weeks from now or three months from now. I'm pretty confident in that. Mm-hmm. The only chance they would have to beat TSM is right now, I think. Unless you know, unless they really impress and something happens, but but this is the only time they could do it, and I think it would still be close. Fair, I I I don't see it. I don't see it. I <laughs> I, I I appreciate your point, but I don't see how how Hui beats Bjergsen. I don't see how Six A beats Double Lift. Like I I don't see it. Well, Six yeah, no, no, no. See one on one, but that's I think the way I the way I think they would potentially do it is by out rotating them in the first like five minutes hmm. uh, or ten minutes at least. Uh, getting a tower or two and then having a gold advantage the first time they actually have a real fight. Like it'd be purely through the purely through the rotational play, which is what CLG did all year long. That's how they won. And that's how they got double lift far enough ahead to do the double lift things. Mm-hmm. And Zix was the one I'm pretty sure who masterminded most of that. He's still there. Those that's how I see it would potentially play out. Yeah. But okay. who knows? Well, I, I, fair think enough. I, I think that's reasonable. I do want to yeah. ask you, Walter, before we move on, uh, because this is the Esports Gambling Hour podcast. We have an excuse to bring up the gambling lines. Uh, what do you think the line is for CLG versus Unicorns of Love in this best of three? CLG minus 275. CLG minus 149. What? <laughs> the casinos think it's close, man. It's plus 115 wow. for the Unicorns of Love. There's no value. There's none. I uh, I mean, I honestly, it's... Uh, it's one of those things where if the line was more heavily favored towards CLG, I would be saying that you know there's a lot of nobody believes in us vibes from Unicorns of Love. People are going on Reddit and saying like, oh well, you know they're a small organization. This is the best they could do. Like there's some you know poor orphan on the street. Like please, sure, could you give me some free agents? You know, I just need to fill out a roster here. Don't and, don't uh, worry, guys. We won't see any. We won't see any Gilius Jungle Twisted Fate. That's not in his wheelhouse. Oh, man, I really wish they hadn't changed the leashing just so we could get that one more time. It was <laughs> it was such a beautiful, beautiful thing. But we're going to move on to a TSM squad that obviously, Walter. I'm going to let you start this because uh, you are clearly a, a TSM fan. I think that's been well established at this uh, on this particular podcast. Where where did you rank TSM when you did your rankings, and, and why do you feel uh, as strongly about it as you do here? So I rank TSM second, because I think that on paper they're the most talented team besides maybe LGD. Um, yeah, I, I'd say, no, they're more talented than LGD. 
I'll just say it outright. I think they're more talented than LGG or LGD. Um, I think even despite the fact that they have not been a full team for a while and there was that drama that was going around Sven Skaren, I think if you ranked every single player at this tournament by position, I think the only place that TSM isn't the top player is in top lane and AD carry, and that's they're behind like Flame and Imp. Or, yeah, Flame, Imp, and Acorn, essentially. Um, I just think that talent-wise, that's what matters here, is that they're very... None of these teams are probably really strategically ready to play on this patch because they've had so many changes, except probably LGD. And I think Bjergsen is a much better laner than, than Godvi. They both have similar kind of pools, other than Bjergsen plays the utility carries, the uh, utility mid laners a little bit better, like the Lulus, where Godvi is really kind of known for his Diana and his assassin play. Um, and Bjergsen can still, you know, bust out a LeBlanc and do great. They're, to our, my knowledge, LGD is going TBQ, and we remember what happened with TBQ at Worlds. <laughs> Wasn't very good. And you're replacing the weakest link on TSM, which was Dyrus going against Flame, and uh, Ryan Tang had an excellent piece about why Haunters is basically... You know, is being put into a better situation on, on TSM and can essentially be Dyrus. He is a very low econ uh, laner, and he actually has a, a, a decent laning phase in terms of his damage output. Uh, it takes a lot of the pressure off of Bjergsen now to you know not have to deal 40% of his team's damage or whatever the, the ridiculous number that it was, uh, because now he has double lift. Now he has Fenskaren to help him up, and I think that's what matters here. I think TSM is a, is the best team on paper right now from the rosters that we've seen, um, minus like SKT and you know maybe Koo. Yeah, probably Koo. Um, just on paper, talent wise, they're amazing, and talent makes it work. You know, bo- the Boston Celtics made it work at the beginning until you know Doc Rivers actually was able to put in his system. The San Antonio Spurs make talent work. I, the Miami Heat made talent work. New York Yankees make talent work. Well, it's funny that you mentioned things like the Spurs and the Heat, right? Because those are, to me, very clear examples of a system really coming to fruition. The Spurs work because they have Greg Popovich as their coach. And yeah, Greg Popovich the first leads three weeks of the season with with my maybe San Antonio is a bad example, but like with Miami, the first three weeks that those players together were together, they were winning because LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh were scoring ninety points a game. It wasn't because they had some crazy system in place. It was they were the three best, you know, three of the top ten players in the world. It, it's certainly a very interesting uh, dynamic to look at. And and for the record, I I went back when I was thinking about. You know, teams that were, you know, that were here last, you know, yeah, last year, these IEM events that happened before the season started. Um, you had IEM San Jose last year. Cloud9 won that. Uh, just having experience, they were able to overpower a lot of these new rosters. You know, the, the alliance that had just gotten reckless, that people had a lot of faith in, they were able to beat that. Uh, you know, Unicorns of Love ended up surprising TSM, but... That uh, that was a whole thing in and of itself that I don't think we should make you have to relive right now. Um, on the other hand, I was there. Yeah, I, I lived through it. it yeah, was, that it was, was fantastic. Uh, uh, we also found Think Card making his way to the finals of IEM Cologne, which is a thing that I think all of us collectively blocked out of our memories. So yeah. the thing about these tournaments, at, at the end of the day, for me, like yeah, you know, in in a perfect playing field, talent wins out. But we have learned time and time again these are not perfectly even playing fields. If they were, then you'd look at a lot of the talent that North America had, and you'd say that maybe one of them should have gotten out of the group stage at Worlds. Uh, talent 
what talent does not explain an zero and ten performance in week two of the world championship. I, uh, that only comes from you know a collection of nerves, uh, poor decisions and picks and bans, poor decisions just in game when making some of these shot calls. And the thing about this TSM team is none of these guys have any experience on what each other needs to succeed. Yes, Bjergsen is great, Doublelift is great, but what happens when one of them has to make a sacrifice for the other in order to get the other where they need them to be? Neither one of them has a lot of experience communicating that, making those sacrifices, and adjusting themselves accordingly. Same with Sven Skaren, for the record, who just spent an entire split having to hard carry an SK gaming team and feeling like he had to do everything because if he didn't, no one else on that team would. That is a hard lesson to unlearn. So now you've got three people who are generally known as guys that their team turned to in crunch time to make massive plays, none of whom have any kind of experience backing off to let the other one succeed when the opportunity presents itself. You add in the fact that Causing still hasn't figured out some technical parts of his game, and that his whole thing is you know, the yellow star effect that he has when he's able to play with people for an extended period of time, which he hasn't yet. There, I, I, I just think that there are a lot of reasons why, even if these guys are as talented, even if they were as good, if they were the LeBron James, you know, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade of League of Legends, which, by the way, uh, no one on that team is LeBron James. Faker is LeBron James. But even still, even if they had <laughs> Faker on these team with all these other guys, uh, if you've never played together, if you've never had any time you know, really figuring out all of these kinks, especially in a game where resources are as limited as they are and sacrifices have to be made, I have concerns. And I'm assuming, Tim, since you had them ranked fifth, you have similar concerns that I do here. Yeah, basically. I mean, I, I value their talent. I don't think I value it quite as high as, as you do, Walter. I think uh, I would... You know, when you're saying, you know, they've got top talent in most of the positions or whatever, I, I think PYL is a better support than Kissing one on one. You can, you know, you can talk about Worlds and how they did at Worlds and oh, LGD was terrible at Worlds in week one. In week two, they went two and one and they only lost to the Korean team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think TSM does, you know, they do have really good talent. I probably don't, don't value it quite as highly. And I also, uh, you know, I, I think they are not taking this talent into weeks one and two of a regular season. They are in, in a certain perspective, they're taking this talent into week one of the playoffs. It's a, it's a best of series right off the bat. You lose and you're done. Uh, They're not coming up against, you know, another team from their region who they just, you know, uh, is, is at a similar kind of first part of the season situation. They're coming up. I I believe they're playing LGD in in the first. Yeah. They're playing LGD. Yes. Yeah, so they they've got a very tough matchup first off, uh, which you know it's power rankings. We're not talking about whether they're going to win or lose, just you know how strong they are. But but you know I, I think those are some factors that 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 make it pretty difficult for them to come in and, and really succeed here. Uh, and you know, speaking of of how they have to learn how to kind of play together, and and this person takes the front, that that person takes the back kind of thing. I think that's going to be uh, a problem for them as well because. Like I said, three weeks from now, they're going to be a pretty different team once they've had that much more time to practice together and develop. Once uh, Jarge, the new strategic coach, has had time to put his systems in, he's he's a smart kind of analyst systems guy. He'll get them on the same page for what they want to do. But but uh, the teams that they could potentially have to play against who are going to already have, you know, some of these teams already have a system. Origin already does. 
CLG probably already does. LGD's got all their strategies in place because they've been together the whole time. Uh, these teams are going to be able to come in with their systems and with those systems, if they do it properly, shut down the individual one-on-one plays that TSM uh, would have their best, you know, the easiest, simplest shot to get ahead with. Which, I'm, I'm saying all these things not as so much a criticism of TSM as just the reasons why I think at this tournament they're not going to be the TSM that week one of spring split that they will, uh, assuming that they stick with these five players. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think TSM is going to be a really great team. And I think right now they're still going to be pretty good, but they're coming into a tournament with reasonably strong competition all around. Uh, and, and I think that's going to be a pretty tough test for them right off the bat. I'll say this. I'm, I wish that they were at IAM Cologne instead, because IAM Cologne is a month from now. And I think a month for this team is huge. I, when we looked at LGD, and one of the things that people pointed to when they started underperforming is like, man, how hard must it have been for them to have lost their coach and basically have to start over with a new system uh, right before this world championship? TSM is now doing that, and they're doing it with an entirely new roster. There are just so many variables right now that are up in the air. And, you know, Walter, you know, if everything plays out in this beautiful way where they just naturally fall together and it's just a perfect puzzle that was just waiting to be completed all this time, then TSM could really surprise some people. And honestly, I think this tournament gets really interesting if TSM can look really good off the bat because if they're able to, to take down a team like LGD in week one, I can't imagine what they're going to be when they have a full split of experience under their belt. That mm-hmm. would be really exciting for me as someone that wants to see the North American, you know, sp- you know, region as a whole grow more than it's been so far. I, I just, I, I think it's going to take time and we will have to wait and see uh, whether they are able to, uh, to surprise us in that way, but we're going to move on. Because we are, uh, because this is already going on longer than I think we expected. Uh, Origin is the number three team on our list. This was something that I'll admit. I, this was the hardest one for me to put. I switched the number three and two team around quite a bit. I think all of us, our top threes, were a little bit different from each other. Walter, when you're looking at Origin and you're looking at you know this new dynamic they have, where Xpeke and Power of Evil are going to be switching out, do you think that? this is something that's going to make the team stronger in the long run? Or do you think that, you know, at least for right now, this is something that might hamper them at this tournament just because of, you know, Power of Evil being a new piece to this puzzle? Uh, it'll hamper them a little at this tournament. Again, I think Orion is a very, very talented roster. I think more of the problem with them is that Amazing kind of disappeared in the second week and in the the uh, playoff portion of of the world championship, even though they did uh, make it through the first round and, and were able to you know kind of run into uh, into SKT, he 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 seemed to disappear to me compared to what he was doing through the regular season. Uh, Soaz is always iffy. He you can have really good Soaz games, you can have really bad Soaz games. Uh, I think Power of Evil fits into what Xpeki was. He has a very, very deep champion pool. He's much, much better at control mages, exactly like Xpeki was. Uh, but as we saw, Worlds Orion really is revolving around the this rising star, you know, the European Rookie of the Year in Niels and, and Mithy, who has been a very pleasant surprise as, as a support. So 
when it comes down to it, I think they're I think they're a good team. Um, obviously, I have them lower because I rated TSM like ridiculously high. I have them as the third rated team over uh, over LGD, CLG, and Unicorns of Love. Um, just because, again, I think I think we're underestimating LGD and how bad TBQ was, and both Orion and TSM played against LGD in the group stages. They know what the the play is against LGD, and it's to ban out, you know, or get TBQ off of his two champions and force him to play something else. So, you know, Orion was the team that that came up with that strategy, came up with exploiting TBQ, and even though they lost the game against Flame, that was the game that I think Soaz played Kennen went like 0-8. Uh, I don't think you get that three games in a row from Soaz. I think, you know, you get one good Soaz game, one bad Soaz game, and one you know, so as game where he doesn't win or lose you the game, he just kind of exists. And it comes down to Niels and Mithy, and Niels and Mithy, you know, showed that they could match up against Imp and PYL. Well, first of all, this is when I start lamenting the fact that the semifinals are a best of three. So yeah. whether you get that so as, you know, kind of not so great game early versus late is actually going to have a significant impact on what happens to Origin. Uh, the one thing I will say that has changed since the last time Origin went up against LGD that I think should not be underestimated is the fact that Hermit is no longer with the team. You know, when we were talking about the World Championship, one of the things we brought up constantly is, man, this Hermit guy, he's bringing up all these really interesting concepts. He's risen to the challenge as a coach. I love what he's doing in picks and bands. I love what he's doing in, you know, in, in you know, bringing out the Anivia, bringing out all these things that I don't think anyone expected, you know, or origin in a lot of ways, uh, thanks to, to Hermit in no small part, were able to change the way that we viewed the meta at that tournament. You know, it was, it was the Koreans and it was the Europeans that were really making these huge strides in what did and did not work moving forward as we kind of hammered out some of the kinks there. And he's gone now. He is, mm-hmm. uh, he's with NRG. Uh, they do not have a named coach, at least not on Esportspedia. Maybe I, I missed an announcement somewhere. Uh, I guess XPEC is kind of going to be acting as a player coach as Power of Evil is the announced mid laner here. Uh, and, and that to me is a, is a big loss. It's not enough to make me put them below any of the teams we've talked about already, just because I think a lot of these teams uh, that we've already discussed have a ton of variables, whereas this is mostly the same unit that just finished in the third to fourth place spot at Worlds, and something that I think that you know they certainly earned and certainly demonstrated a, a huge ability in those cases, but obviously that's a hit. Now, Tim, you know, I, I, I turn to you with that, you know, this idea of, you know, stability here. This is where, you know, kind of the opposite of TSM, where the players are the same, but the management and the way that they're going to approach these things has the potential to be very different. Where do you stand on this origin team right now? Do you think that, you know, this is something that might affect them negatively in the short run, like some of these other teams we've discussed? Or do you think this is something that just the experience of, the players as a whole might be able to overcome. Yeah, from I mean, from what I've heard, Power of Evil is playing the whole tournament. That's just what they're doing. Uh, yes, I'm pretty sure they they stated up front, XPK is not playing at IEM, uh, and I believe XPK also said I we're going to be self coached at IEM. So whether that means you know, assuming they're going to have coaches on stage, maybe XPK will show up for that um, just to have another voice as part of the huddle. But uh, I'm not sure. Uh, as far as as kind of losing their coach going into this tournament, I think the the place it's going to hurt them is going to be uh, meta preparation. 
and understanding the the 5.21 patch, how to play on it compared to how they played on Worlds, that kind of thing. Uh, I'm. It's always hard to know, especially with coaching being such a still in the Western scene at least relatively young concept. That you know, having them on stage and everything that only happened this year, it's very difficult to know what the coaches are actually doing and contributing to each team because every coach approaches it so differently and does different things. In some teams, the coaches run the pick and ban. They say, this player, okay, pick this. You're going to pick this. I am almost 100% certain that is not how Origin ran their pick and ban. Hermit didn't pick the champions for the players and say, here's the team comp we're running. Uh, he he has described himself as a facilitator in the preparation, uh, presumably in the pick and ban as well. Um, he, he didn't have, he, he was not an authoritative coach. And that doesn't mean that he didn't guide the pick and ban very heavily. But my understanding or my impression of it is not that that he was the pick and band mastermind, uh, but rather that that he helped the players and and kind of led their discussion between each other while they were determining their pick and band, while they're determining their their macro philosophies, whatever else they're going to be doing. So I think Hermit is a big loss for the team because he, from what I've uh, learned talking to him and what I've heard from other people who know him better than I do, he is a very strong macro analyst. Uh, I know he's very good at like early jungle pathing uh, and, and gank roots and these kinds of things, um, planning out those those strategies. So I think their preparation for this meta is going to suffer quite a bit. Uh, and and that's going to be the main way that, that they have to, the main thing they have to make up for when they're coming into the tournament, what they're going to do, how they're going to play the games out. Uh, I think with Power of Evil coming in, it changes the dynamic of the team somewhat because while well, he does have uh, champion pool overlaps with Xpeke, he also has a little bit of a different mindset to me uh, when, you know, we've seen him have the, for example, the Syndra pocket pick that he'll bring out and, and just try to like carry the game like that. He's used to, to on Unicorns of Love, having to be the one who did most of the work and, and the damage and kind of having that kind of me first mentality, which is almost the opposite of Xpeke in a lot of ways. And I think he's versatile enough to play both approaches. Uh, but, I, you know, I think long term, he gives them a really good option for Niels doesn't have to carry every game. But short term, uh, they aren't going to know how to set him up to be the, the number one person yet. Uh, and, and so in a way that that makes it simpler, that they can just go with the Niels carry approach that they've all that they've been used to for quite a while. But in, in, in another way, it also makes them kind of predictable that if their opposition is organized and, and realizes that and, and sees power of evil going towards the supportive side of the champion pool that that he is quite good at as well. Uh, they can kind of plan around shutting Niels down. And that might be a weak a weak point, and maybe without the coaching in, in place, it's harder to develop the alternatives. And that's hard to do when you're a player. When you're a player, you already have all these other responsibilities: building your champion pool, uh, getting yourself uh, to the position where you're you know you're all on the same page and you're all understanding the patch. You know, as far as how they play off of each other, you know. How much time do you really have to scout after that? How much time do you have to break down enemy weaknesses and, and find the holes that someone like Hermit was able to do so well? Uh, that's a gap that most assuredly will be filled by the time the regular season rolls around, but it's not filled yet. And I think that's something that is going to certainly play a a big piece of what happens with Origin in this tournament. Uh, and who knows? Maybe Niels just goes crazy. Uh, it certainly wouldn't be shocking given how well they did at the World Championship. But uh, the next team we need to talk about is LGD. And this had the largest gap amongst all of us. Like I said, I all of these ended up how I ranked them. So I had LGD at 2. 
Uh, Tim, you had them at number one. Walter, you had them at number four. We'll start with the negatives first and move to a happier, positive place. So, Walter, what are your concerns about LGD? Why did you have them ranked so low when you were looking at uh, these teams here at this tournament? TBQ has no champion pool. He has absolutely no champion pool, and because this isn't the preseason, the champion pool for jungle is pretty much the same that it was at Worlds. So you just ban out his Lisa, and you ban out the Elise, and you or the Rek'Sai, and you take the Elise. Like you, you just jungle prioritize them and force him onto his like fourth or fifth jungle. And we saw that he had absolutely no impact uh, until the second week, and that was because they pulled out. Uh, what what was he playing? Was it Jarvan? I can't remember what he was playing in in, in the second week. I need to I'll, go I'll to look that up and check that up. Know. But like they eventually got it to work because they were able to exploit the two games they won. They exploited Dyrus and they exploited Soaz in the top lane. Like it wasn't anything that the TBQ. It's not like TBQ had any amazing ganks. It wasn't anything like that. It was mainly just flame one v oneing the top laner. So TBQ didn't have to come worry about his lane and get him ahead. He was able to just kind of go to the to the bot lane and make sure that Imp was well protected and and PYL could roam with him. And Godvi Godvi was carrying games because he was able to get Diana again. So. That's that's my problem with this team. I understand this team has absolutely no changes that happen to it. We might see Flame, we might see Acorn. I think Flame is probably the better choice for them in, in this tournament, just because it's still on that kind of carry top lane mentality. Um, and Imp is still, you know, arguably the best AD carry in the world, which that, you know, he still has, has some ability to make some plays and he doesn't have to worry about a thousand different weird... Uh, item pass and item builds and you know oh Caitlyn now her her when she gets her headshot it like extends the range by three hundred and Graves now has like three auto attacks in one all this weird stuff he can kind of just focus on what he's good at and and duel you know out duel probably any other eighty carry here mm-hmm. um, besides maybe double lift I think double lift is double lift is probably the only eighty carry that can duel imp one v one and I still think imp is a better you know is the better if, if you're asking me who wins, you know, out of a hundred times, does you know who wins more? I say Imp, and Imp probably wins, you know, seventy out of a hundred uh, duels between him and Doublelift. So, I, that being said, they have the tougher match. You know, TSM and LGD is the tougher matchup for both teams in that first week. If both teams have gotten Unicorns of Love and CLG, like perfect, they're through. That's really easy. But you know, to me, this is you know the second and fourth team on my list duking it out and on the aggregate list it's uh you know two and four as well so i think this is a really tough matchup for both teams i this is going to be a very entertaining series to me (laughs) and i'm kind of excited to see if if the two games that they won with flame at at worlds were a fluke or if he you know really does have the chops to kind of stick around as a as a professional player and not just a uh not just kind of like a streamer or a personality yeah, a couple quick points before we move on because you asked who are the two champions that uh, that TBQ won with in that tournament. They were both yes. uh, Gragas games, so Gragas, it wasn't okay. one yeah, of the the Gragas ban. Yeah, it wasn't bef- You know, it was one of the main three. Uh, he played substantially more Rexai, Gragas, and Lee Sin over anything else. Lee Sin, he was a perfect ten and zero. Don't think we're going to see his Lee Sin get through. Uh, his nope. Rexai and uh, Gragas were more middle of the pack when you look at his statistics in the LPL season and obviously, you know, only a six game sample size when we're looking at the world championship. Uh now, Tim, obviously you take 
the other end of this perspective because you have LGD as the one seed. And you've actually, I believe you just taught, had an interview with someone from LGD, if I remember correctly. So what are you seeing in LGD that gets you excited? They've got some of the best players in the world at honestly every position except jungle. Obviously, all the, the TBQ points are all valid and all worrisome. But yet, despite TBQ, they managed to do some really great things towards the end of the LPL year. So, you know, there's there's something there. Uh, but, I mean, looking at their talent, they've got Acorn and Flame, a couple of the, you know, depending on the meta, some of the best top laners uh, in China, at least. Uh, Godvi can do amazing things, and sometimes he doesn't, but that's, you know, he's a little bit enig- enigmatic that way. Imp, you know, I think we can agree, he's if he's not the best AD carry in the world, he's uh, consensus number two. Uh, and I think most people would put him number one. Pyl, uh, he was is one of the best supports in the world. He didn't really get, didn't show it at Worlds, but but he uh, is still thought of very highly. So just with that sheer talent, they can go out and win every lane one by one, and they don't have to worry about you know winning with a system or whatever, which is also something that costs them when they come against a really strong opponent. But but they can go out and just win lane by lane, and so you compare that to you know the TSM approach. And it's, you know, this is LGD having refined the win-by-talent approach. TSM is, at this point, having to do the win-by-talent approach by necessity because they haven't had time to develop an alternative. I think once they do develop an actual system, TSM, you know, could be as good as or, or potentially better than, than LGD's talent. And, and you know, that, that's a much different conversation. But, but right now, I think LGD has taken this talent and, and done some amazing things with it. Uh, and, and I think we're going to see that because they've got this this kind of revenge mentality to them probably because they they hate what happened at worlds uh you mentioned i, I did have somebody on 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 my show uh last week uh she's uh one of the managers of the team and was talking about you know how hard they're preparing for this tournament making sure like she specifically mentioned we were making sure we understand this meta well and what to do in it uh, and that was their their big failing going into worlds off the bat so uh that was like a really good kind of green light for me like okay these guys actually have learned from their mistake and then and then tbq being the big kind of gaping hole in the theory uh is so in in worlds yes his, his jungle champion pool is exposed but and this is this is something i'm not sure of uh, is kindred going to be available at yes IEM? Mm-hmm. so yes, with kindred, kindred available, available and kindred is so strong that you know regardless of the team she is or they he, she, whatever it is, is one of those champions that, you know, has to probably be a pick or ban almost every game. Uh, whether or not TBQ is going to play it, you know, that has to be factored in. If you spend a ban on Kindred, that leaves another champion unbanned. Uh, I think TBQ is going to get comfortable, you know, reasonably comfortable champions, even if if he's pushed on his number four. I don't think he's going to be pushed on his number five champion, probably. Maybe his number four. And and I think he'll he'll not sink the ship just because of the jungle pool slightly expanding. I don't think he's going to go out there and do great things, but I think he's going to not sink the ship, and I think the rest of the players are going to carry them through. The the problem, I think, with Kindred, though, with him, is that he plays more of a heavy... He plays a heavy gank style with with Lee Sin, with Rek'Sai, with the Gragas, and Kindred more fits in, like, the Meteos, heavy, the Meteos like, early Season 3 style, yeah, where it's just, it's just heavy, heavy farm. And you saw he had trouble on those type of characters when he was playing, like, Vi. Vi, while she is an early kind of ganking jungler, because if you can hit a flat, like if you can hit a Q, you ha- that's a great amount of CC that does a lot of damage, and you can get off your 
your your W very easily and take a lot of you know a lot of health off a off a enemy during a gank. But she doesn't really shine until she hits level six. She almost has like Warwick syndrome where you have to just farm until you're level six. Where yeah, you know, I, I when agree. You fail that that flash gank, you you know you're you're falling behind in your farm. And Kindred kind of fits that similar style. I, I agree, and I think my point isn't that TBQ can play Kindred, but it, okay. that. The, both teams have to factor Kindred into the picks and bans, and that opens up a slot for the other champions, the ones that he actually will play. Oh, okay, I think okay. I think Kindred is strong enough that the opponents may have to worry about him playing it and somehow being okay on it, or at least like picking it away from them. And okay. because maybe because of banning Kindred, they can't ban Gragas, something like that. Or okay, sure w- watch Imp just be able to play Kindred just because he can play anything, and he's Imp, and he's the best AD carry in the like, world. I'm going I mean, jungle. TBQ ADC, it worked out super well before. I mean... I'm- I'm waiting for the mid lane smite uh, Kindred from Power of Evil. That is also in play. <laughs> We've seen these things before. I, uh, I'll say this. I, I think both of you made excellent points, so I don't have as much to add uh, as I did with some of these other teams. Uh, I always trust, whenever I can say, you know, Imp is the best AD carry in the world, I think that carries weight in tournaments where there's so much upheaval and there's so much, you know, change going on across the board. I think I, you know, you look at sample sizes, right? And this is the one thing I would take away for people who just want to say, oh, China wasn't any good. We saw it at Worlds, blah, 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 blah. We just saw SKT lose 2-0 to ever. <laughs> and I don't think anyone's going to make the case that ever is a better team than SKT. But, you know, this was a Kespa Cup. This was a tournament that mattered. SKT is not an organization that just throws games away for nothing. They played Faker in game two because they really wanted to win and ever still got the game. Because in one, you know, best of one or best of three scenarios, there's just a lot of variability. You know, you have to take these things into account. Uh, I think there were a lot of mental factors that held LGD back. I think there are some, you know, there are some things that, you know, is TBQ going to be that level of terrible uh, again? Well, he wasn't that level of terrible when they won China. You know, he wasn't that he wasn't that exploitable. And it's not like Chinese teams didn't know that he only played three junglers. You know, I I just get the feeling like if we want to overvalue that, we're buying into this idea that four games uh, from one tournament says more than everything we've ever seen about LGD. And I'm not willing to say that. I understand why people would, especially when it happened on the biggest stage possible. But I'm willing to trust in what I saw in the LPL and trust that they're able to learn those lessons when they have the least organizational upheaval uh, of any of these other organizations other than Genere uh, and say that they're going to pull it off. Now, Walter, before we move on to Genere and wrap up this pod, uh, where do you think the gambling line is for LGD versus TSM? I already know it's going to make me angry. Uh, LGD minus 300. It's not that bad. It's uh, oh, okay. LGD minus 213. Which I think is actually quite fair. That gives you TSM at plus 160. Which if you're a TSM fan like Walter, if you're looking like, you know, if you believe in that talent and that nothing else really matters. In no, this, TSM fans know better than to bet on TSM and international defense. Come on. Hey, they, <laughs> I, what was this about being the IEM championship, man? You're backing off very quickly. No, 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 no. no. I, I didn't say anything about not thinking they could win. I said gambling on TSM. Oh, uh, I see. Okay. I that, said gambling. There's a very different, there, there's a very different, uh, different 
position between saying they're going to win an event and actually putting on money for them to win that event. That is, uh, that's reasonable. I, uh, I for one, I'm waiting for, I'm looking forward to the semifinals lines because I think those are going to be even more fascinating once we've seen some of these quarterfinals teams just to see how people react because that's always a fun thing watching people, you know, immediately make that first assumption because of one best of three series and then you know have that go crazy yeah those uh, are gonna be bonkers it's gonna be so much fun but we're gonna move on to uh the gen air green wings this was the number one seed uh from the aggregate i had gen air at number one i believe walter you had gen air at one number one yes. and i think tim you had it at number two so all of us have a lot of great things to say about Jenner. Now, Tim, we're going to start with you just because you were the least optimistic about Jenner of the three of us. So what do you like about Jenner? What's standing out to you as a positive, and what are the potential negatives when you look at this team? Uh, Jenner looked looked pretty decent uh, in the later parts of the LCK year. Uh, they they did uh, okay in the kind of the playoffs. They made a pretty good run in the regionals, but obviously didn't quite make it to Worlds. Um, they maybe slightly overperformed in in the end of summer, but overall, you know, they you know one way or another, they were probably the fourth best team in Korea. You could argue maybe fifth, but they they ended up around fourth. They haven't changed that much, but they do have a different top laner in with Sohwan. Uh, they've got their uh, they aren't obviously they lost GBM to North America. He's now with Energy, and they're playing Kuzan, who was with the team but was their their second mid laner. Uh, both of those players are really talented. Uh, their whole lineup is is reason you know they're they're average talent for Korea, which means they're pretty good. So that that speaks a lot in their favor. But I think there are question marks around when I was watching them in Kespa Cup around you know have they actually figured out how to play together as a squad versus the way they played before with, uh, with trace in the top lane uh, with uh, GBM normally playing in mid. Uh, so Juan, you know, they on, on stream there on the broadcast, they were having up his, uh, his Riven play. He played Riven a couple of times and it was kind of hit or miss. He did okay. And then he didn't do okay. And, and uh, you know, I think there are question marks there. And I also think that, you know, like, while I said their, their talent level is, decent for Korean level. It's, it's not, you know, they have no superstars, uh, in my opinion, uh, other than, you know, you could argue that chaser, if he's the one playing in jungle, uh, over, over winged is their other option. If chaser's playing, you know, he's a, he's a very good jungler in, in certain areas. He's not a world beater in others, but, uh, if he's playing, you know, I think they've got a better chance. Uh, and it depends how seriously they're taking how much they want to win this event. But, uh, yeah, I think there are question marks in some of their their coordination. Some of their individual talent might not match up to uh, LGD's talent, in my opinion. Uh, and, and those are the reasons that I think that I put them number two instead of number one. So the thing about Jenner that I uh, I always like to say is that their biggest problem is that they are Jenner, right? Uh, we look at Kespa Cup, and I didn't even realize until you know right before this podcast that it was winged and not chaser that was playing in that particular tournament. And I just watched the Kespa Cup. I just, I didn't even know. So I'm like, Oh, it's a jungler. He's going off like crazy. Well, this has got to be chaser because chaser had such a good split. Uh, they don't, they've never quite seemed to understand as an organization, what it means to have that kind of stability. Uh, I do like the fact that they're sticking with Sohan. I think Sohan has a lot of potential to be that guy. We saw him have a great ribbon game. Uh, and I think that he has, the ability to develop into something. I'm glad they're developing that. 
I hope that they stick to pilot over Captain Jack. I've seen them switch back and forth so many times. I no longer uh, can really believe in any of it. But at the very least, uh, you look at Kuzan, who is a guy who we saw win on five different champions in OG and Summer last split. He didn't play a lot of games, but he showed a versatility in the games that he did win. We know that he can compete on this kind of level, and that's something we can trust. And the other thing we can trust is just that Korean infrastructure. And even if they're mixing players around, even if they're doing those genre things that they always love to do because they love driving their own fan base insane, the one thing that they do have going for them is that they have you know, analysts and a coaching staff that have been here before, that have participated in exactly these kinds of events, and know how to get the most out of their team at them. Uh, whether that's going to be enough here, it's hard to say. Uh, the Kespa Cup, as you said, had some some flaws. But Walter, you had Janair number one as well. Where do you come down on all this? Where does your confidence in this team stem from? Uh, it comes from the the jungle and the eighty carry. I think pilot is is an underrated eighty carry still, just because you have so many great Korean eighty carries. You have Imp, you have uh, you have Wolf, you know, from SKT. Like he's kind of overshadowed, and he played very well in the in the LCK, especially earlier on in the year. Um, he had the highest damage percent, uh, highest damage output of his team. He was at about thirty percent. Where where. Uh, Gank by Bomb was at 28%. Thank you, Oracle's Elixir. Tim, you're the man. <laughs> I appreciate all these statistics that I'm about to throw out. Uh, he, he's just a very, very good AD carry, and, and Wing and Chaser are, are two junglers that also are slightly overshadowed. One, because they're on Jyn Air, and you know, everyone knows the, the funny Jyn Air sad plane JPEG, and that's pretty much what it was, but they were very good at the beginning of the year, and it was towards the end of the year that they kind of started to fall off and they they fell back into that that stereotypical like genera sixth place and you know gets knocked out of the playoffs in the first round or doesn't make the playoffs uh they did they actually didn't even play in the playoffs again oracle's elixir going for statistics they didn't play in the playoffs but they did play in the regional finals uh in the regional uh regionals to attempt to get to worlds and the one thing that i find very kind of curious is that ganked by mom's damage surged he went up to 31% of the team's damage, whereas during the regular season, he was around 28 and Kuzan was around 26. So this is telling me that while Kuzan has been very good and he was very good in Kespa Cup, in my opinion, I thought he played very, very well uh, until they kind of ran into CJ and CJ looked really good until they ran into Ever, go figure, uh, is that now there's a lot more pressure on Pilot to deal more damage and... Even the top laner, which uh, Showan, Soan, I don't know how to pronounce his name appropriately. I think it's Sohan, but I'm not Sohan. Okay, so Sohan. So it puts more pressure on Pilot and Sohan to carry, or Kuzan's gotten Kuzan is dealing a lot more damage, and I just don't have the statistics from Caspa Cup to back that up um, quite yet. So that's the one thing that kind of I'm a little iffy about is how much does the gam the Ganked by mom departure matter, hmm. but it seems like you said by by going with Sohan so, Sohan over uh, Trace is that they're kind of moving in this new direction and they're trying to get a little bit younger and they're trying to give you know the the young star the young players on their team experience and again this is a great place to do it before you get into what is probably going to be a little bit tougher tournament in the LCK regular season than IEM San Jose. 
Yeah, no, this is going to be a very interesting team to watch. It's going to be a very interesting tournament to watch. I mean, all these variables that we're talking about uh, are all going to come to fruition basically in one big moment. And the, you know, just the storyline of, you know, can LGD redeem themselves? Uh, have the Green Wings finally found a roster that they're going to stick to for more than 10 minutes? Uh, and what can these North American and European teams do with all the turnover that they've had? I can't wait to watch. I know you guys are very excited to watch. Uh, quickly, before we head out, uh, what is the one thing that you guys are most looking forward to watching, just as, as a fan of the game? Uh, Tim, let's start with you. What are you really just hoping to see from this tournament? You know, I'm I'm hoping to see just big, flashy individual head-to-head plays. I think with the all the, the turnover among, you know, several of these rosters are, you know, partial turnover or almost full turnover for TSM. Uh, I don't think we're going to see the greatest coordinated play, like macro play. Uh, we're not going to probably see a whole lot of, you know, putting the whole package together. But what we could see is a lot of explosiveness, uh, a lot of uh, kind of head-to-head matchups, laning matchups. And I'm just looking forward to seeing talent on talent in that sense. Uh, because I think at the end of the day, at the, the later stages of this tournament, uh, you know, I don't know about the early parts because that's not going to be the, the best part of the tournament by far. But but at the later stages of the tournament, the semifinals, the finals, I think it's going to be a big talent matchup. Uh, and whoever kind of comes at it with enough coordination to make it work, but then putting layering the talent on top of that, that's going to be the, the really exciting part. Yeah, absolutely. And Walter, what are you looking forward to? Is there anything in particular? Um, I mean, I, I can as... think of one thing in particular you're looking forward to. Oh, I'm probably going to go in a completely different direction then. Oh, uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually, as much as I kind of bash Stixade and Hui and, and some of the younger players, that's actually what I'm more excited to watch. I'm more excited to watch the younger players and, and kind of uh, their their first you know shots at the at the international stage, especially uh, you know Stixade, Hui, uh, Gilius. Uh, in particular, I'm excited to see Steelback actually back on a professional team and not toiling away in the the pit that's kind of known as the North American uh, Challenger Circuit. I'm glad to see that he's going to be playing against uh, some heavy competition, I guess, in CLG. Uh, they were a team at Worlds, supposedly. They might have showed up at some point. Um, but on top of that, yes, I'm obviously excited to see Team Solomid and they're kind of, you know, stars stars in one scrub in, in Haunters, I suppose, attitude of, you know, we want the best players that we can get out of the West. And this this is probably the first true super team that we're seeing out of the West. I don't think that the Alliance super team was actually a super team. I think you have two of the top five players in North America and probably the top player in the jungle in North America and the top player at support. In, no. Since Karen's a top three, and, and Kossing's probably top two in North America. And Haunters is, is the question mark. Again, Ryan Tang kind of approached it and you know said his piece and why he thinks he'll be successful, which I have to kind of agree with. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting. And by the way, uh, for people interested in what I'm most interested in, I want to see how Mark Cuban plays in the top lane. I really, you know, he's listed as a top it's an laner. Here. I know, but he's listed as a top laner. And I'd like to imagine like him going in and just queuing up for a game like, man, I got to get those NASA stacks, you know, while he's waiting for Dirk Nowitzki to sink yet another three, just from, <laughs> because he can. You know, that's just, that's how I'd like to imagine Mark Cuban. But, uh, but it's going to be a fun ARAM game regardless. I, I like those kind of moments. You know, this is, you know, it's a, it's a preseason tournament. 
Uh, it's a very interesting time as far as seeing like where teams' heads mindsets are at. Uh, we have found that it has not necessarily been representative of where these teams end up in the long run. But until then, it's a great way to break up this offseason and give us something fun to kind of sink our teeth into as we theory craft and prepare for what comes next. Uh, so thank both of you guys for coming on this podcast. It was a mammoth of a podcast, but I think we have officially covered just about everything one could hope to cover from this IEM event. Uh, Tim, uh, we're going to start with you on our sign-offs. Uh, where can people find you and is there anything you'd like to plug on your way out? Yeah, I just want to say thanks for having me on. It's a lot of fun as usual. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, MagicLol, M-A-G-1-C-L-O-L. Uh, and always, uh, as we brought up a couple times, oracleslogster.com. Lots of fun stuff there. And uh, you can check out some of the numbers uh, for the players going into this that we've been talking about, why we've been hyping some of them up. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and the Truce podcast, right? Where can people find that? Yeah, I, the the podcast that I've been running, it's mostly an interview format, kind of 20-minute lengths on average. Uh, you can find it at truesite.net. Perfect. And now, Walter, where can people find you? You guys can find me uh, at C80s underscore LOL. That's C-E-A-D-E-S underscore LOL. And I want to shout out the uh, the North American poll for IEM Cologne. Please, everyone, pick a real team. Don't Don't vote for Gravity. Please, God, vote for a roster that actually exists. I personally would love to see Team Dignitas because it's a bunch of young players and a new roster, and I want to see... Shifter and Kiwi Kid. Actually, I want to see Kiwi Kid. I love Kiwi Kid. I'm so glad he's still in the LCS. First I'm very all, tempted to write like a 20 page manifesto like like uh, Ryan Tang did on. God, I'm saying his name a lot tonight. He owes me money. Uh, <laughs> like he did on Gold Pretend about, about uh, Forgiven. I want to do like a 10 page just like manifesto about why Kiwi Kid is like this really underrated support. Well, first of all, that manifesto would just be I love League of Legends in all caps with a lot of exclamation points. I think we're aware of that. Second Flash of all, Annie. this is the only time on this podcast you have ever said, I really want to see Shifter play. I just want to, I want to mark this down in the Esports Gambling Hour archives as the moment that Walter said, I really want to see Ar- uh, Shifter play a game. Because, uh, because I, I'm wondering why he hasn't realized that he's not a professional caliber player anymore. Like I, I, I want to watch him play until he has that moment, and I want to remember that moment where Nian realized that they were going to lose that series against TSM, where like he they made their pick, and him and Dexter are both there with like they're about to start sobbing. I want, I want that. I want to see that player cam on Shifter when like the first game he plays against GBM, and he's just like, oh god, oh I, oh. Uh, well, on that note, uh, you can find me at, at @redshirtking on Twitter. Uh, I love talking to you guys. I will obviously be live tweeting during this event and uh, I'm paying very careful uh, consideration as to how teams are subbing out because I have a feeling we'll see Janair do something very Janair of them. Uh, you can also find this podcast on uh, iTunes at the Esports Gambling Hour. We might change our name sometime soon. We're still figuring that out. Uh, you can also find us at soundcloud.com slash Hour. And, oh, by the way, unicorn.com slash community. You can find everything that both uh, Tim and uh, Walter and I do as a general rule. We put most of our podcasts up there as well as some really awesome analytical pieces, including Tim, I didn't, you didn't even mention the fact that this is a companion piece to the article you're releasing tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I think we've gone into a lot more depth on this show than, than the article I actually have. It's going to be mostly a summary, but, uh, you can see some of the, the wrapped up thoughts and, and, uh, recap 
where we ranked each team uh, in the article. So yeah, it's gonna be, uh, be it's, it's gonna be a fun read. And until next time, goodbye, internet.